And all right. Woo! Can I ask you all for a favor? Would you allow me to take my tie off? I am not that guy that is likes to put on ties. Or they I wore them for 16 years before in ministry, and they they drive me a little wacky. All right, all right. I'll try it for a little bit. Okay, but don't don't take it don't take offense to it if I take it off. Um, I want to welcome you all here once again to church at the bridge. Um, today we're going to take some time just to simply consider the word of God. Hey, have you ever found yourself in the midst of a choice and you paused and you said, let me really think about what's going on here. Let me, let me, let me go on a fact finding mission. Let me really think about what's true and what's right and what's necessary for me to make a right choice here. You ever been there? Well, today my job is not to tell you what I think. My job is not to tell you my opinion. My job is simply to point you to God's word. I'm going to tell you why that's important. And I pray that today your spiritual ears, your heart, your mind is open. Because in the hearing of the word, good things happen. When you, when you know the truth, guess what? You get what truth calls for. Jesus put it this way. And when he says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so today my job here is simply to propose some truth to you directly from God's word. And to encourage you to consider the truth for yourself in your life. And so over the last several weeks, we've been on a series entitled This or That. And what we've been looking at is choices. You know, choices are like trails. You know why? Because they always lead somewhere. Choices always lead somewhere. Whether it's good or bad, what we need to remember is that the choices we make lead to the paths that we find ourselves in in life, right? And so in Deuteronomy verse, uh, chapter 30, verse 19, it says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Here we go. It's coming off. <laughs> Listen, I know it's, it's you, you guys all right here temperature wise? I'm sweating bullets. Sorry. All right. So I, I was in the middle of a conversation this, this, uh, this week and, and it, it, it bears recalling it. It's worth recalling it because there's, there's an interesting point that we need to consider here that in Deuteronomy chapter 30, we're talking about a time before Christ. And so the way those things operated, it was you do for God. And this is what you get in return, right? You, you behave this way, and this is what the law says you'll get. But the thing is that that was a system based upon uh, laws and principles that we were the focal point of how we received from God. Today, that's not the case. Today, because of what Jesus has done, we now relate to God based upon what Jesus did. And it's not based on what we do for God. It's based on what he did for us. That makes sense? And so the reason why I bring that up is because Deuteronomy 30 is, is in a time, was written in a time when it was before Jesus, but it bears uh, worthy to mention that although it was before Christ, what we have to remember is that the old is a reflection of what was to come in the new. 
And what I want to point you to is this, that notice that God's will back then, when it was based on us, and notice that God's will today, when it's based upon Jesus, is still the same. He says, my desire is that you will partake of life. That you would know my goodness. That you would know my blessing. Today, you don't have to anticipate curses. You know why? Because the Bible says that Jesus became accursed for us on the cross. And because of it, we've been declared righteous, right with God. And so what I want you to consider here is that even way back then, God saw fit and necessary to tell us, to remind us, to choose life. Because if if we don't choose the life that he offers, then what we reap is something far less than what we're intended for. Choices are powerful. Have you ever thought about this, that choices are life-altering? You know, I had one of those life-altering choices. I've had a few of them. When I met my wife, I, didn't, I, I wasn't anticipating. I wasn't even interested, to be honest. And I don't know what I was thinking back then. Uh, she's beautiful. But my point is that I was, my, I was in a different stage in my life. And when I took the time to get to know her and, and God began to work, it completely changed the trajectory of my entire life. A choice, simply to go out to eat lunch. Nothing involved in it. And we make choices all the time. How many of you agree that you make choices? You've made choices? Would you agree with that? Would you agree that you make choices today? Right? Some of you made a choice to be here. You said, well, you know, I could go to church or I can go do whatever. Right? You made a choice. And so choices lead somewhere. And God wants us to make good choices. Choices that lead to life. Choices that impact our lives for years to come. I remember years ago um, when we lived in the city, we, we lived in a uh, three-bedroom apartment on Patterson Avenue in the Bronx. Before that, we lived on 194th and Marion in the middle of Vietnam. It was crazy out there. Uh, the reason why I share that is because I was making some choices based on limited information back then. Um, there came a point when we were still living in the city. My kids were still very young. And my wife says to me, she says, "Hun, it's time for us to move. It's time. It's time for us to move. She says, I really feel from the Lord. I've been looking in his word. She says, I really feel it's time to move. And I got real Christ-like at that moment. I said, let me pray about that. <laughs> Here's the problem. I wasn't praying. You know why? Because I was afraid. See, I grew up in a household with a mom that raised six kids by herself, all alone. I was the, the, the fifth of, of six. And to make matters worse, you want to talk about Vietnam? I grew up with five sisters. I was the only boy. Yeah. You think you got bathroom problems? I had bathroom problems. But anyway, my, my, never mind. I'm sorry. Let's get back to the text. But back in those days... Um, you know, I, I grew up with a limited view of what was possible. You know, my mom did her best. She was a, a, a home health aide. She worked two jobs, about 98 hours to 100 hours a week. She was gone on the weekends working two 24-hour shifts. And, you know, it was just like while we had everything we needed, in my perspective, it was never enough. We never had enough. I didn't have the sneakers that other kids had. Um, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have some of the opportunities that other kids had. And so growing up into adulthood, as I approached life, I always approached it from a mentality of lack. And that impacted my choices. So my wife starts talking about 
God is showing me it's time for us to move. And I'm like, baby, you are not hearing God. I'm praying about that one. And then one day, and this went on for about a year, and then one day my wife um, comes to me, and you know, she had many seasons during that year where my wife would just kind of cry in silence and talk to the Lord. Um, and so my wife was wise because she overrode me. She went to God. She, she went to God, and God started dealing with my heart. And so one day my wife comes to me, and she says to me, uh, Hon, I want to show you something. And I think she made like, at that time I was eating red meat, maybe she made like a filet mignon and a, a lobster. No, that didn't happen. I'm exaggerating that in my mind. But she made me dinner, you know, everything. She set up the, she, she, was, she was buttering me up, setting me up. And she sits down and she says, I want you to look at what we've paid this year in rent. And she says, and I want you to see what it's going to take in comparison to a mortgage. And when I looked at the numbers, I was blown away. But what blew me away and impacted me to such an extent was the next thing she said to me. She said to me, hon, is this the wise thing for us to do? Is it wise to stay here? Is it wise to continue going the way we're going? Is it wise how you're approaching this? Today I want to talk to you about the best question in the midst of choices. Listen, we all face them. Could we all agree that we could use a little more wisdom every now and then when it comes to choices? Who doesn't want the right information? Who doesn't want right results? And so today, you guessed it. You guys are right there with me. We're going to talk about what's the wise thing to do. The best question to begin to consider in the midst of choices. See, when we ask ourselves this question, it provides us answers that keep us out of situations that can rob us of our future potential. I want you to think about that. God's will is good for you. God is not the author and finisher of our problems. God is not the initiator of everything that goes. I know we, we've, we, we've all heard, well, you know, uh, barring an act of God. Listen. God is not a tempter of men. God is not the initiator of tragedy. That is not God. If you as a parent will not abuse your children, what makes us think that God would abuse us? Make sense? And so God is good. And he has a future potential for us. But the choices we make impact if we actually participate with that. When we ask ourselves this question of what is the wise thing to do, it helps to filter out lies and unnecessary information. Consider this. Sometimes we will intake so much information. I know some of y'all, maybe, maybe you've done it. You go on Facebook and you say, I'm about to make a life-changing decision. What do you guys think? <laughs> what? Social media? Where everybody can see that? And everybody feels they have a right to have a say into your life? Really? We pick up, or if you're like, you know, old school, you pick up the phone and you call Juanita. Mira, Juanita, ¿qué es lo que está pasando? Te quiero de and you, you start, and, and you call it, you know, wisdom. And really what it is, is gossip, right? Uh, so no, when we, when we consider what really is the wisest thing to do, what's the wisest thing to do? What we do is we allow for the lies to be filtered out. And for unnecessary information to be dismissed. Here's the other reason why it's important for us to consider wisdom. Because when we ask ourselves this question, what's the wise thing to do? We invite God into the midst of our outcomes. 
Let me prove that to you from Scripture. I told you I'm not here to give you my opinion. In Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 6, it starts by saying, Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. I want to point some things out to you here before we read any further. I want you to see that wisdom cries out. And the wisdom that we're talking about here is not a good idea that we come up with. It's not something that you found on Google. We're talking about wisdom that comes from God. We're talking about God's wisdom. If you want the best source of wisdom, you'll find it in Christ. The Bible says this, that he has made known to us wisdom in Christ Jesus. And we'll we'll touch on that a little bit more in a bit. But what I want you to see is that wisdom cries out. And understanding lifts up their voice. Have you ever raised your voice? Oh, come on now. Don't be so spiritually minded that you're no earthly good. You have raised your voice. Right? In those moments when you've raised your voice, what were you trying to accomplish? To be heard. That's right. To be heard. So what are we seeing here? That wisdom cries out. Wisdom is saying, listen to me. God's wisdom. And so in verse 2, it says that she cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the door. I'm I'm sorry. Verse 3 says she cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call. And my voice is to the sons of men. Oh, you simple ones, understand prudence. And you fools, be of an understanding heart. I want you to consider something here. That God's wisdom is available unto all. It cries out unto all men. It cries out to the one who's doing it right. It cries out to the one who's not considering the prudence of God. It cries out to the fool who says, I want nothing from the wisdom of God. I got this all on my own. Newsflash, if you find yourself there... Have you ever wondered why things don't quite pan out the way you plan them? The word of God says this, that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. And so we need this wisdom of God. But what I want you to consider is that the the wisdom of God is unto us all. And in verse 6, it says, listen, for I will speak of excellent things. And from the opening of my lips will come right things. Right things, right things. Now, the wisdom of God locates itself in a very interesting place in the lives of us all. I want you to consider verse 2, if we could just put that back up. It says, she takes her stand on top of the hill beside the way where paths meet. I want you to think about what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about a crossroads. It's talking about the place of decision. It's talking about the point where you go, should I really be going this way or should I really be going that way? Where is this going to lead? In the midst of the, uh, of the place where paths meet, watch where God shows up. In the place of decision. Now, maybe God is something that some of us, maybe you don't consider it. Maybe you do consider God. Maybe you believe in Jesus, but guess what? You're still trying to figure this out on your own. I would encourage you to consider the word of God. Notice that God doesn't withhold his wisdom from anyone. Why is that important to reflect upon? Because God's wisdom is available for all of us. God wants the best for all of us. 
There is not one man that God wants to go to, 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 to uh, find himself in perdition, the Bible says. That he wants us all to come to the place where we turn to him. That's wise, ladies and gentlemen. And so God's wisdom always leads to the right things. It leads to right things. Verse 6 tells us, he beckons us, he says, I will speak of excellent things and from the opening of my lips will come the right things. And so see, nobody plans to mess up their life. Nobody wakes up one day and goes, you know what? I am going to ruin the rest of my life. I'm going to ruin my kids. I'm going to be so knee deep in debt that I'm going to drown and it's, it's just it's going to stress me out. Nobody plans that purposely. Nobody, nobody makes that type of decision purposely. Nobody plans to raise an irresponsible, codependent, dysfunctional child. Nobody plans an addiction. Nobody plans a, 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 a ruined marriage. Nobody plans to destroy uh, their children. Nobody plans to wreck their life. But very few have a plan not to end up with these results. Wisdom. The wisdom of God. If we're to have a foolproof plan, and I did say a foolproof plan. If we're to have a foolproof plan, then it must be foolproof information. It must be foolproof, trustworthy information. It must be the voice of God. It must be the wisdom of God. In 1 Kings chapter 3, we're going to read of an account of a man named Solomon. If we're going to talk about wisdom, then we should look at an example of someone who took the wisdom of God and it impacted their lives to such a great extent. And so starting at verse 16 in 1 Kings Kings chapter 3, it says, Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. And then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And we were together, and no one was with us in this house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night. Because she lay on him. And so she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, the one says, this is my son who lives and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one and my son is the living one. And then the king said this, bring me a sword. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. And then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. And so the king answered and said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer 
justice. What you might not know is that word harlot there used to describe these two women does not simply speak of two women who were known to be adulterous, but it also speaks of a person who's untrustworthy. Untrustworthy. And so I want you to consider the information that Solomon is working with. There are no witnesses. There's no one there. It was just the two of them. One against the other. Each saying the same thing. And Solomon draws upon wisdom far beyond what we would rely upon. If that were this day and age, you know what would happen? Get a DNA sample, right? Uh, it did, was, the, what, was it recorded, right? Was it posted? Did something happen? You know, who, did you hear anything? Solomon had none of that. But Solomon had something greater. Solomon had something that you and I have available to us. The wisdom of God. And so Solomon, according to this wisdom, makes a choice. And that choice reveals the best results. I want you to begin to see the power of the wisdom of God. Wisdom in your life. When we consider, what does wisdom call for? What should I really be doing here? How should I really relate to my wife? How should I really approach my children? How should I really conduct myself as a child of God? How should I relate to people when they come against me and they stab me in the back? What does wisdom call for? There's another reason why it's so important for us to rely upon this wisdom that Solomon had that we have available to us in Jesus. Verse 28 says that all Israel marveled because they saw that the wisdom that he had was from God. You know something about wisdom? When you make wise choices according to the truth, you don't have to tell people about Jesus. They'll see it. Let's see it. To think that God would choose to reveal himself. Yes, by his spoken word. I'm not setting that aside. This is power. This is true. We must share this. But man, you could be, you could be in the midst of a, a chaotic situation and be making choices and people will go, how did you know that? But, and they will recognize that there is something at work in your life. It is a testimony it is a testament. It is a message in and of itself when we rely upon the wisdom of God. It's powerful. And so for the next couple of moments that we have here, I want to just share with you some thoughts. Not so much about wisdom in relation to uh, you got to be wise in doing this versus you got to be wise. In I'm not going to get specific that way. But what I want to share with you today leads, is, is along the lines of what are the things that lead to producing the wisdom of God in our lives? What are those things? As we saw through Solomon's life, God's wisdom brings clarity to life's circumstances. God's wisdom brings clarity to life's circumstances. Solomon was nothing special in and of himself. How could you say that, Pastor? He was the king. How could you say that, Pastor? He was chosen of God. Well, the Bible says that you are royalty. It says you're a royal priesthood. Jesus said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I, I chose you so that you would bear much fruit in your life. And so, hey, you're in the same boat as Solomon. You're chosen, you're loved, you're called, you're appointed. God has a purpose and God has a plan for your life. Listen, somebody, some people might say, well, you know, I got to get my life together. Really? Then what do you need Jesus for? What is Jesus for? Listen, God's not asking you or I or anyone, get yourself together, clean yourself up, dress the right way, talk the right way, do the right things, act the right way. Listen, thank God for Jesus and his mercy and his grace, which covers all sin, 
past, present, and future. That's what the word declares. Stop doing that. You're going to encourage me to really start preaching. No, let me stop. <laughs> so, listen, you're in the same boat as Solomon. You're chosen by God. You're anointed by God. You're meant for great things. But like Solomon, because we're chosen by God, we, and we have this wisdom available to us, we have to literally rely upon it. We have to access it. The Bible tells us that when Solomon became king, one of the first things that he did was he presented sacrifices unto the Lord in worship. He loved the Lord and he sought God's counsel. And during one of those times after presenting an offering unto the Lord, and I'm not talking about an offering where the bucket went around. I'm talking about he presented something from the heart. He said, Lord, I love you. So he presented these sacrifices. God shows up and speaks to him. Let's look at that real quick in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. Starts off by saying, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You've continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day now now oh lord my god you have made your servant king instead of my father david but i am a little child i do not know how to go out or come in i want you to see something solomon is at a crossroads i don't know which way i'm going i don't know if i'm going this way i'm going that way I don't know if I'm coming in or I'm going out. God, I don't know how to do this. This is bigger than me. This, this is more than I understand in my own understanding. God, I need your help. And so here Solomon is talking to the Lord. And in verse, um, verse 8, he goes on to say, And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord, that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have you asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for life, for, I'm sorry, have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, or shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. Solomon sought the Lord first. Solomon sought the Lord first. Let me say this to you. If you're going to go seeking wisdom, you have to find the source. You have to turn to God. Solomon went unto the Lord 
God gave him a blank check. He said, what do you want? What do you want? Solomon says, this is bigger than anything I know. God, just give me wisdom. Help me to understand the truth. That I might do what you've called me to. And watch what's beautiful about it. That God says, because you didn't ask for me to give you riches. Because you didn't ask for status. Because you didn't ask for me to do away with your enemies. Because you asked for this thing. He says, not only have I given you a a, a wisdom and an understanding heart to discern justice. But I also give you riches. I honor you. I establish you. Kings and queens were known to come to Solomon's feet and place offerings at his feet just to hear the wisdom of God. Just to hear it. I share that with you because Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, I know you know this kingdom. I know you know this system. I know you understand life this way, but let me elevate you in life. He says, seek the kingdom of God. And it's righteousness and his righteousness. He says, and all these things, all these things, all these things. I know you're worried about your kids. All these things will be added unto you. I know you're worried about how am I going to make it through school. All these things will be added to you. I know you're worried about how am I going to provide for my family. All these things will be added. All these things. All those things will be added to you. According, listen. Watch where the, where the source is. According to his riches. According to his kingdom. According to his ways. All these things shall be added to you. So, have you made God your first priority in life? Have you, have, have you gotten to the place where you realize, well, I've tried it my way and, you know, there's limited ability. There's limited outcomes. I'm not always sure that it's going to turn out the way I want it to? Or do you want to turn to a sure proof, a surefire way of approaching life? Will you put God first? Because you know what I love about that? That when we put put God first, what we see is that he's chosen us to be first. He elevates you in life. He blesses you. Man. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 says this, Therefore, whoever... Hears the say, these sayings of mine, watch this, and does them. Whoever hears my words and does them. Listen, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But I will tell you this, it's worth it. It's worth it. Jesus says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on, the, on a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But like a, I'm sorry, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. It looked good. The scenery with the sand around it looked good. But it's built on sand. He says, like a foolish man who's built his house on sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. What we can see here is that when we put our trust in God's word, his wisdom, and follow the instruction by acting upon it, it leads to rock-solid results. 
Now, look, I don't know about you, but are any of you familiar with insurance? Man, I sure hope so, because if you got a car, I hope you got insurance on it. Right? Some of you are like looking at me like deer in headlights. Insurance. We're all familiar with this process of insurance. Right? How this concept works. You pay for something, and that gives you a sense of peace that if something goes wrong, in some way you'll get some reimbursement. Something, something will happen. Well, I'm here to tell you today that you've got a better insurance policy with the wisdom of God. You've got a better one. See, the insurance policies that we rely upon, they assure us that we'll get something back, but they don't insure against our ability to stand after those things happen. See, in the midst of a storm that just hit this area, this region, this entire area, we heard about people that lost their life. Hey, insurance gave you something, but it didn't give you back life. Insurance policies will only go but so far. But what I want you to consider is this, that the wisdom of God doesn't necessarily stop the storms from coming, but it does ensure that you'll make it through them. It does make it sure that you'll stand. It does make it possible that while you may feel a little wind, you might get hit by some waves, you will remain standing. Why? Because you're standing upon, uh, like a wise man, upon the words that he said, and you're living according to them. So look, if you're looking for assurances, look to God's word. Because it ensures long-term results for life. It ensures your life. In Luke eleven twenty seven through 28, it says, And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nurtured you. Watch this. But he, Jesus, said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This woman thought, Man, if I could just be your mom that close to you, if I could just have access to you in my life as your mother does, that would be the greatest thing in life. That would be the pinnacle of everything that I need, everything that I want. And Jesus says, no, 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 sweetheart, you're missing the point. Baby, let me show you something. More than that, more than that, the greater blessing is on he who hears and keeps what he hears. Let the word of God, let the wisdom of God begin to transform how you approach life. Let it begin to transform how you approach your relationships. Let it begin to define a new path, a new purpose to show you that you're destined for so much more than what you think life is about. That God really is good and God really does love you and God really is for you. And God's got better things for you, for your children, for your household, for your family, for your community. But listen, God, it starts with his wisdom. Wisdom wisdom as we're closing up here today I want to just point one more thing out to you about asking the best question about what we do in the face of this or that those choices I want you to think about this when we face decisions we ask ourselves questions should I do this should I listen to Juanita on the stoop or should I you know go by all these these hundred people that commented on my status and are telling me to do this, right? Should I go by Dr. Phil or Ellen or this or that? You know, one of the questions that we might ask ourselves in the midst of those times is, 
Is there anything wrong with it? My prerogative, Bobby Brown, it's my prerogative. <laughs> All right, let me stop. Um, some of you know what I'm talking about. All right, anyway. All right. The rest of you, go Google that. Go on YouTube, catch this. But anyway, everybody's talking. No, let me stop. <laughs> um, I want you to consider something. What's wrong with it? Is there anything wrong with, what, with, with this choice? Is there anything wrong with, with what I'm doing? You know, it's not hurting anybody. It's nobody's business anyway, right? I'm just doing me. I'm just, you know, proceeding with my life. I'm living my way or whatever. But the assumption there is that if there's nothing wrong with it, it must be okay. You know, the scripture says that you can do, it says that all things are permissible. But it says not all things are beneficial. Not all things are beneficial. Just because it might not be wrong in the eyes of the law, or it might not be wrong in the eyes of the people you care for, doesn't mean that it's the right choice. And this sometimes can be the beginning of bad choices. The beginning of bad destination points in life. The beginning of bad results. A life you didn't plan for. A life you never thought you would find yourself in. Questions like this one, is there anything wrong with it? Lead to other questions like, how far can I actually go with, with this before something goes wrong? Now, I'm, 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 I'm kind of that geeky kind of guy. I like watching documentaries. My family likes to go to the movies. Just let me watch National Geographic. I remember watching a while ago a, a, a documentary on the Grand Canyon. And, and I remember this particular shot from the camera as they were approaching the canyon. And, you know, and, and when you get to the canyon, it, it just looks like flat land. But then all of a sudden you get to the edge and you go, whoa, one of those. Now, in many areas around the Grand Canyon, they have these barriers that keep you from going over, right? But there's a lot of areas where they don't have those. And in this one particular shot, the camera was coming at an angle down a slope. And my mind goes places. You know, I'm a very visual person. And so as I was preparing this sermon a couple of weeks ago and just meditating on this, I was thinking about the Grand Canyon and that particular shot came to mind. And you know, choices that don't include the wisdom of God are like a slippery slope. You, you ever run down a hill and then you try to stop? You can't, you can't just, it's not like walking. You, can, you know, it's hard to stop. And sometimes we make choices independent of the wisdom that's available to us in Christ. And it's like going down that slippery, that slippery slope at top speed. And when we try to stop, what we end up realizing is it didn't work. Sometimes we go a little too far. I would encourage us all to approach choices like a Grand Canyon. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I want you to imagine that right here is the edge of the canyon. And as soon as you get there to that edge, it's a 2,000 foot drop. Let me ask you a question. How would you approach that edge? Would you run to it and try and stop at the last minute? I'll tell you how I'd approach it. One step at a time. I'm testing. Hey, you never know. You can slip, right? I'm testing every step. I'm being very careful. And, and, and knowing me, although I'm not afraid of heights, I wouldn't be that guy who goes to the edge and goes like this. Why do I share that with you? Because the wisdom of God gives us necessary information. But the wisdom of God doesn't come hastily. We should take step by step according to the truth and approach life 
as that canyon. Approach it with an understanding. I may not know exactly what's ahead, but God, I know because you're leading, I can't fail while I go ahead. I can't fail, God. And so I encourage you, don't ask yourself the wrong questions. Ask yourself the right question. Ask yourself the best question. What is the wise thing to do here? God, what does your word reveal to me? See, we need to approach life with wisdom. And I'm going to leave you with a scripture today as we close because I want to demonstrate to you how much God loves you. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 says this. It says, this is the way we should live because God's grace that can save everyone has come. It teaches us not to live against God nor to do the evil things this world wants us to do. Instead, that grace teaches us to live now in a wise and right way and in a way that shows that we serve God. I want you to see that God's grace has come unto all. According to his love, he's done unto all. He's provided for all. He hasn't just provided wisdom for you, believer. He hasn't just provided wisdom for you who are trying to figure it out. He hasn't hasn't provided it for you. Look, I'm not trying to convince anybody here to, to do anything. What I'm simply proposing to you is that God loves the entire world enough that there's enough wisdom to go around. There's enough to make it through the challenges of life. God's wisdom. Let's stand here today as we close. Heavenly Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Your word says, Lord, that in the hearing of your word, faith is come. Faith is the means by which we relate to you, God. Faith is the means by which we receive all that you've already given to us. Faith is the means by which we step into the great, the great purposes and plans that you have for our life. Faith, Lord. And so, Lord, today I thank you that faith is at work in the, in the lives of these, your people. That, Lord, whether we're down and out or we're flying high in life whether we know you as lord and savior or we don't father you love us all and your wisdom is available unto us all hey today if you've never considered a relationship with god or you've it's never crossed your mind what that actually means if you've never seen god in this way that you understand that he loves you that he's for you If you've never considered that God cares for you to such an extent that he wants you to operate and live in his wisdom. That he's extending himself to you. And he's proven that by giving his very best, his own son, to die on a cross, to rise again. So that you wouldn't have to die and pay a price that you and I couldn't. But that we could enjoy the payment and the benefits that come from it. If you've never considered God as your personal Lord and Savior, you've never accepted Jesus, and today you're saying, you know what? I I find myself at a crossroads today. My choices haven't been working. Maybe you know God, but you know what? You've been living absent of the wisdom of God. You've been kind of pushing it to the side. It's kind of an afterthought. Listen, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation from God. He loves you the same. But today you hear an invitation, and you say, man, I need to get back to this thing this one thing the wisdom of God a personal relationship with God if you believe that today I want you to join us as we pray together with you and say this with us Jesus I believe you are the son of God I believe you died and you rose again I believe you paid a price for me I believe you chose me 
And so today I choose you. I declare you're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my God. And I thank you that you're leading me to greater things. That you're restoring me. And that your wisdom is mine. Today, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the lives of these, your people. We celebrate Jesus with you. If you made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, you have made the wisest decision you ever could. And I'm telling you that I'm telling you that I'm telling you, expect God's best. Look forward to the, to, to the paths that lead to all that's right and good. Because God loves you. Father, we thank you for this day. We celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Have a great week.